Welcome to Because You Need to Know. I am Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. Kia ora, everyone, or hello, as we say here in New Zealand, which is the te reo Māori greeting you typically give to someone when you meet them. So my name is Moya Radley and I currently look after the technical insurance capability function for IAG and live in the beautiful country of Aotearoa or New Zealand, as you probably picked up from the Kiora greeting. I've not always been in learning and in insurance. I have a wide and varied background. I started my career as a social anthropologist of all things and worked in that field for around 10 years in South Africa before uh, before moving into other opportunities. And I was particularly interested in African philosophy, indigenous healing and indigenous knowledge networks, which of course is quite relevant to what we do in knowledge management. Well, after the closure of the social anthropology department at the university where I was teaching, I upskilled into computers and completed an MCSD, but <laughs> quickly found out that I didn't enjoy coding, but rather the people and knowledge side of technology and forged a career in online content management at a South African university. My interest in social knowledge networks remained, and I recognized that in the Western corporate worlds, content management systems underpin the sharing of explicit knowledge. And I continued to develop my skills and knowledge in this area. And I was really fortunate to work for First National Bank in South Africa, specifically in knowledge management, and also at the Auckland War Memorial Museum here in New Zealand, and latterly at IAG New Zealand, looking after the knowledge management function for, of course, the New Zealand division. My career has included both knowledge and information management roles, and that becomes relevant when we talk about knowledge management. And especially in understanding that knowledge management critically needs to support what we teach our people in the corporate environment. It's a key enabler for people to be set up for success in their roles. And in this, I've been fortunate to have had opportunities to grow not only in knowledge and learning, but in other domains too, such as business analysis, agile data governance, and of course, my current role now, learning design and development. These skills all work together and intersect to aid my passion for adding value to people and to helping to set them up for success, no matter what role I do. Well, I hail from a wee little city in New Zealand. We're only about 400,000 people called Christchurch. You may know Christchurch through the earthquakes that uh, took place 2010, 2011, 2012. I think we were nigh on 20,000 earthquakes, but we've bounced back and we are the most remarkable and resilient city now and absolutely beautiful. So if you ever get the chance to travel to New Zealand, please come and visit us in Christchurch. You won't be disappointed. As you probably gathered from my introduction, I love, I'm passionate about knowledge and learning management. And I do believe how it is important that these two fields are taken holistically and that you don't work in silos in knowledge and in learning, 
because the two help each other. These two domains really help enable people for success in their roles. It is my core belief that knowledge is shared in a social situation. And there's some knowledge that can be that can be written down and made explicit and captured in content management systems. There is some knowledge that critically needs to be transferred from one person to another in a verbal format or by showing, by doing, critically important. And that is my passion for knowledge because it's not only the explicit stuff, the 20% sitting in bases, the real value is actually in the 80% what sits in people's heads and where you can provide those opportunities for people to, to share that. As organizations are social structures and learning is a social construct for the most part, I mean, you can independently learn, but we are kind of raised in a community of learning through parents and family and, and all those associates. And then we get into the corporate world and then it's, it's like, oh, we're going to not do any of that stuff you've been born into. We're going to do things this way. What's the hardest thing for an organization to keep that social engagement and trust building alive? That's a really good question, Edwin. The challenge for organizations is the fact that they don't recognize that they themselves are social constructs. That is the big challenge. And through a lot of organizations I've worked for, they've recognized or they think that a content management system is the be all, the end all, and that's going to solve all the problems, right? No, sorry. We're, we're, we're done. We, we bought the software. We're done. Let's go home. Yeah, let's go home, right? And we've got a hundred million, a hundred million pieces of content in there that nobody can find. And yeah. guess what? They're all out of date anyway. So yeah, that is the biggest thing. And it's one of the things I've noticed in a lot of organizations that I've worked for. The recognition that learning and knowledge are social things. The ability to share knowledge is social. The ability to learn is social. Now, in my world, we have an organization of 14,000 people, so it makes it a little bit more challenging, right, to actually do the learning in that domain and also share knowledge consistently. And I think this is where we actually need to rely on the team of 14,000 to share their knowledge and to recognize that it is a very, very social thing. I understand the framework, but then I look at individual behaviors and not everyone is a good sharer. No, absolutely. Is that a learnable thing? Is that learnable? Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. Okay. Tell me how you do that. One of the base principles that I firmly believe in is the, the connection, the trust between two people. If you don't have trust between people, they are not going to share. You think about this is something, this is precious to me, this knowledge is precious to me. And I've spent many hundreds of hours investing in myself and my development to learn this thing. And now you want me to give it away. There has to be a social connection between people before they'll learn from each other. It, it comes down to trust and respect. You don't have those two. You're not going to have an environment where, you, where you're learning or being able to share knowledge. Well, I would have to say the lack of trust and respect is kind of a common Western theme in organizations. Okay. It absolutely is. Having a nice construct in which people can grow and share and, and exchange knowledge is the way it should be. But what's the biggest okay. hindrance 
to that model? What, what do you find is one of the easy stick points that organizations usually fall on not doing it well? I think the organizations that we work for are inherently competitive and we've got competitiveness inside the organizations. And that is a huge hindrance. You, you're certainly not going to share anything with anyone if you're competing with them competing with them for resources very often and competing with them for your survival at the end of the day, let's face it. But you take this back to my work in social anthropology and there's a key difference, right? And the key difference is the fact that the group saw how important it was for their survival that they shared knowledge. It's a survival mechanism. And if we're not putting that in place for organizations and taking out the ego and also taking out that dire competitiveness, we're not going to provide the environment for people to, to share. Anthropology is the scientific study of the origin, the behavior, and the physical, social, and cultural development of humans. So just by that definition, I think that's where most organizations fail is they don't think about it as development of humans. In that competitive nature where the only thing that matters is the bottom line finances, when you're not looking at the organization as an organic structure of development, I think that's where you miss the greatest potential. That's exactly right. When you recognize that people that you've got people working in your organization, not assets, not things, people in your organization, really, really important. And that is your key enabler for, for learning and for knowledge. And I almost talk about knowledge and learning interchangeably because I have seen how important it is that these two constructs really support each other. Because again, siloed nature of the organization, we've got our content management system we pull in and we do some learning right but our learning is not reflected in our content management system and our learning is actually not reflected in the human interaction that we have when we learn we're training people and we're pushing them through courses and inductions to you know to deal with customers rapidly but we're forgetting that their learning needs to be embedded their learning is very often embedded through social interaction, through asking others, through exploring concepts. And if you're pushing people through, you're not providing them with the right content in the content management systems, the ability to find that, and in fact, training them how to do that. But more importantly, the ability to talk to each other and to explore concepts we also, as trainers, very often actually forget that our learners very often are our teachers, right? And we need to step back and allow them to learn from each other and to explore things because that's where the richness of knowledge comes from. What is the key ingredient to your organization? Is it in the onboarding that you set the stage of what learning is in this organization? So you set the potential and the behaviors right up front? You should be doing that. But we don't. And I, I, I haven't seen it done well in any organization, unfortunately. I think what we've got is we've got learning and knowledge as two different things in the organization, right? We actually don't bring them together. Some of the work that we did some experiments right in the beginning of knowledge within IAG New Zealand. 
what we did is we recognized that people needed to learn processes. So in other words, context. They needed to learn the know-how. So giving them training on systems and then processes. But they also needed to know the why. And without context, you don't provide them with the why. And very often when inductions go through, you see that the inductions go through without the why. Right, we just teach them how there's a little bit of context here. There's a, this is how you click the systems, but there's no why. We ran an experiment and we integrated the system of record with the knowledge system and the process system all together and then intersected learning on the back of that. So understood what our people were being taught in the first instance. And then from what they were being taught, making sure that the systems of knowledge, they were consistent. And then we integrated that with the system of record where they would interact with customers and where they would capture detail. And the process side came into that very, very explicitly. And yes, we needed to use different systems to do that. But when you design things holistically, you enable your people. We found specifically during COVID that this was really valuable because COVID meant that our people were sitting in different localities and this really helped them to pull everything together. But very often these areas are just seen as disparate parts of an organization. As an anthropologist, how do you stitch the concepts of knowledge management and learning to be symbiotic and connected? Through collaboration. It's really, really important that you're collaborating with your colleagues. And I think that's the fundamental thing, recognizing and trying to break down the barriers. Because let's face it, in our competitive Western constructs of the organization, we're all competitive and we're all scratching for our patch. But it's changing the mind of or the minds or leading others to understand that through collaboration, we're making things a lot better for our people. That's the only way to break down those walls of competitiveness and to find ways to work with each other. But you're not saying have more meetings. No, no. I'm not. <laughs> no. I just want to, I want to plant that seed because most people think, oh, collaboration, that's meetings, more meetings. I don't want more meetings. No. Please define for me what you want out of collaboration. Working together. That sounds really simplistic, right? But it's coming together. Yes, sometimes you might need to have a meeting. They might be necessary evils. But it's coming together to work together on a shared goal. And sometimes that shared goal is not to develop more learning or to have 100,000 more items in a knowledge management system. It means having a shared goal, such as enabling our people to do the right thing by our customers. We're very fortunate at IEG, and I'm very passionate about the organization I work for because we have a wonderful purpose. And our purpose is to make the world a safer place. I know that's insurance, make our world a safer place. But that also means making the world a safer place for our people. If you tap into that and say, guys, girls, you know what? By us not collaborating, working together, how are we making the world a safer place for our people? And then by implication, our customers. So driving that shared vision 
is really important. In, in the military framework, the mission was first. The mission was what everybody focused on. That was yeah. the mission's a little different in context than an organization's mission, somewhat. But the idea is the same: is that as long as everybody's looking in the same direction and feet are going in the same direction, so everybody's at least on the same sheet music, and that's where you're getting to with this shared vision, shared understanding, and creating this environment to allow people within their their own domain, within their own role or personal domain, the organization is entrusting them to go in the right direction. We don't care how you get there or any of the really small particulars, just that's where we're heading. As long as you're moving in that direction, keep going. We're, we're behind you. I think it's it's a little bit more than that. It's deeper, it's the why. It's why are we doing this? why are we doing this and for us at IEG at the why is we make out the world a safer place their safety is their ability to tap into their knowledge to know that we've trained them properly in the use of the systems that we've set them up for success and we've also enabled them through knowledge in our content systems that supports them to help our customers now, you can imagine what you would feel like if you were a customer-facing team member who didn't have that. You're not set up for success, and your world is definitely not a safer place. Your world is hostile. It's difficult. And that's what we've got to take away. We need to make the world a safer place for our people. It's a brilliant philosophy, and I'm glad that uh, you brought that out. Could you tell me what your definition of knowledge management is? So I think the, the traditional definition of knowledge management is around having content in a system that people can access. Mine is a little bit broader than that. My definition of knowledge management is people sharing what they know and helping each other to learn and embed that knowledge in what they do to extend that knowledge and apply it in different domains. And I think that's really important because knowledge management is not just a content management system. It irks me because going back to the human side and where my passion lies for people, 80% of what we know sits in our heads, not in a content management system. And unless we're enabling our people in our organizations to share that, I agree. we've actually failed. You may ask, how do you do that? And it's the organization investing and making the time and also the opportunities available for people to do that. And we've got some wonderful things that we do at IAG. We have things called guilds where people come together and they share their knowledge and they share amongst each other. Could be formal learning or it could be someone just presenting a case study but we also have a day in the life of which is really important because you can learn about someone else's job the richness is being able to talk to someone and ask meaningful questions from your own context those are really really key things those social events I'm interested in the sharing technique that you're speaking to. What's the medium? How are you connecting folks in a distributed workforce? At the moment, unfortunately, we're connecting them virtually, which is not ideal. Mm -hmm. However, don't believe that people can't connect virtually because we've actually seen it happen, right? And it's better that we can see each other virtually 
than not being able to connect at all. Previously, before COVID, we were coming together and there was a little bit of virtual, I'd say there was about 20% virtual where we were distributed. But 80% people coming together in a room and just sharing learning from each other. That was critical. And being able to take that learning back to their teams. Talking about the guild construct specifically now. The guild construct is, is actually a social construct. So people telling other people about it. Yes, we supported through having a guild calendar and the like. But principally, if they had a good experience, you'd find more and more people attending the guild on specific topics. Uh, just for terminology's sake, uh, would you say a guild is a community of practice? I think yeah. okay. loosely, yes. The guilds are around certain topics. So, for example, we would have a learning guild or we would have a data guild or an information governance guild. And those are around certain topics. And, and specialists, actually not specialists, will come from the organization and present on something. Anybody that's got a passion around that topic, that's probably the only requirement. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that, that builds a real strong culture because that's really the, the essence of what you're saying is that this is a cultural element. To be a learning culture, you have to have this two-way communication and that requires certain pieces and not all organizations think of it that way they can affect large changes uh, pretty easily without any hardware software solutions solicited what would be your recommendation to someone in an organization that has a passion around either instructional design, learning, you know, just the concepts of learning, not, I won't say education because that means something different, but what would be your key ingredient for them to want to help their organization become a learning organization? It's a really good question, Edwin. Well, in the first instance, if you're thinking about instructional design, your instruction needs to be connected. It needs to be you need to think about your instruction as a system, right? And I think that's critically important. I think a lot of organizations battle with is that their learning is all over the place. It's all over the shop. Principally, even if you think about it from a content management system, you've actually failed because learning is everywhere. It makes it difficult and that becomes a barrier to people learning new concepts and ideas. I think the second thing is you need to have some form of I would say coaching and mentoring program because coaching and mentoring becomes very, very important to help people develop, but also to see, especially in mentoring, being able to learn more from their mentor and understand concepts and ask questions. So again, a very, very social construct is very, very important. The other thing which I think is critical is giving our people the time to learn. In a lot of organizations, again, and through COVID pressures, what we're saying is, come on, people, we want your we want your pound of flesh and we want the eight hours out of you a day. And then after that, we want you to go and learn. Thank you very much. But we're not opening up those opportunities for learning, right, within the organization. And we're not opening them up for people to explore concepts and embed their knowledge, embed what they've just learned. Let me throw something at you and see if you've seen or heard about this. I just had a uh, conversation with a self-starter, if you will, at the IRS in the U.S. that does knowledge management in the form of micro-learnings. And their whole concept is to 
make it kind of a TikTok world of content to make it easier and more available and and by the sounds of it all in a video format because then it's just a small slice i need to know x just show me how to do x i don't i don't need all the other stuff mm-hmm. it really gets to the essence of what needs to be provided mm-hmm for learning and i just love the concept have you Mm. seen or heard of that anywhere in your travels absolutely and it's one of the things from a learning perspective that we're trying to implement at ieg perhaps a little bit not as advanced as the irs one of the things that we've recognized and we've we've just finished a substantial learning needs analysis across our organization to understand where the needs are and also where our gaps lie And what we've discovered is that our employees only have about 20 minutes available to learn in a week. Now you've got to maximize your 20 minutes. What we are building currently, and we're very early into our journey now, are small snippets of learning available centrally that our people can then tap into. And when I say small segment of learning, I'm talking a very, very small e-learning module. Now, that becomes important when you think that people only have 20 minutes a week to learn. Micro-learning, you think about the, the other part of learning, and that is that we have different styles and different ways in which we ingest our learning. Some people like to read. Other people prefer to hear it. Other people would like to see a video. I include knowledge here as well. Knowledge needs to include all of those learning styles in order to be effective, because you need to think about how your learners are actually taking in that new content. Sometimes just having a short video to explain something, to explain the why and to explain quickly how to do it is really, really effective. As long as it's searchable, thing I think is really important is in my my part-time, I'm an artist. And sometimes you'll come into an organization and you just see these horrendous word documents put together and they're pushed out and that's learning. And you look at them and you go, oh, my word, not sure how we can learn from this. Really, really important that we're designing our content from a knowledge content perspective, but also our learning in a way that is accessible and easy to use by the people who are going to be uh, referencing that content. needs to look good. And be good. Thank you very much, Moya, for sharing your worldview and how things are happening for you. And I very much agree that learning and knowledge management are intertwined. You can't have one without the other, ideally. Artificial intelligence and machine operations and humans aren't in the middle, then maybe things will be different. But right now, as long as people are involved, then they have to be looked at as learning animals or it's just not going to be as professional as it could be. That's exactly right. We're learning creatures and we just need the environment to learn. In short, that environment is a social one. We're not providing people with a social environment to learn. We're failing them. And we are never going to be able to create a learning culture in an organization without that. Thank you, Moya. Nothing but a pleasure, Edwin. Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared.
I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook.